0: Good morning, Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi We are on Ayin Bay's at the top of um, Ayin Bay's um, Amid Bay's, but just for a minute, um, I would just want to go back to the Mishnah on Ayin Bay's um, Amid Aleph. Um, quickly go through the Mishnah, and then we'll pick up on um, probably maybe the bot. We'll pick up on the bottom of Ayin Bay's. I'll tell you in a second where we jump to, but um, the Mishnah said, I'll go through it quickly. the es shulabik These are the Women who are divorced without aksuba, how there is das moshe people who either violate das moshe, meaning they violate the Torah, they violate the halacha, or the Yehudas, or some sort of whether you want to call it a minhag or some sort of Jewish practice. Bezu das moshe. What are the examples of das moshe? Machilaso If she feeds him food that she claims has. Had Meister taken and it wasn't. She has relations with him when she's a Nida without telling her. She feeds him food without separating bread, without separating Chala. Doesn't tell him about it. So she makes vows and doesn't fulfill her vows. Fine. So one of the examples of the Dasi this and this is where we're going to, the Gemara, we're going to start the Gemara from this part of it. She goes out with her hair uncovered. And she spins in the market, and the Gemara is going to give a few few different views of what that means. And with and she speaks with every man. She's, you know, she she's out there. The Gemara will talk about what that means also. Similarly, someone who curses the man's parents in front of him. She curses her in-laws. Also, for whatever this means, a noisy woman. The Gemara will talk about what this means a little bit more bezo was was a noisy woman? when she speaks within her house. Shchaneha shalmim um, Everyone can, the other women, all the neighbors can hear her speak. Um, so now let's jump to the Gemara. We'll go to the bottom of um, of Ahmed Aleph, where it says, Ve'ezahu dasihu, this is two lines from the very bottom, by the two dots. So, so we, before this, we talked about all these different things that we said were um, halacha. Right now, we talk about das, So What are those things? Yotza ve'rosha parua. She goes out with her hair uncovered. So Gemara asks, rosha parua daraisa. He isn't have a woman, married woman, having her hair covered. Isn't that a halacha, not a not a minhag? Um, that we learned by Sota. Ufara is rosha isha. Turning to Ufara um, is rosha isha that you. Uncover her hair—that's a way of embarrassing the woman because she should have had her hair covered. Utana deve Rabbi and then they learned in the in the school of Rabbi Ashar It's a warning to the to the women, daughters of you know Jewish women, that she should not go. They should not go out with their head covered. So that the the, the implication here is that it's a halacha that the women shouldn't cover, shouldn't go out with their hair uncovered. Why are we saying that it is a custom? from the Torah, Khalsa um, it would be enough, going to Ahmed Beyz. it would be enough for her to cover her hair with some sort of head basket. So um, what this means is they would wear some sort of you know loose basket on their head that they could also carry things on, so it would cover their head, but it wouldn't fully cover their hair. Um but the uh, you know what the more of the custom was a feel kalsa asa. That they, she wouldn't go out with just a head basket on her head. But she would cover her head in a, her hair in a more thorough manner, um, and we quote something comparable. Amrav Asi Rabbi Yochanan, Kalsa ein ba mishum Once she's wearing this head basket, she's not; doesn't violate the halacha of going out with an uncovered um, head. So, um, so that that in theory is what would mean by the halacha. But maybe that also applies to the the minhag also. Why do we know that? Why are we say that that it's more than that? Um Havi Bey Rabbi Zay asked a question on this. So where is this woman going that she has her hair covered this way? Elaima Bashuk, if you say that she's in the shuk, you know, in the public market foot marketplace, he? We just learned that it is, you know, it's not appropriate for the Jewish woman to go out with just the head just this head basket on, um, the Maybe we're talking about in her private yard, in her courtyard. Um, but maybe this means that even in her own courtyard she 's not allowed to go out with just this this head basket on you 're not going to have any woman that 's going to stay this way because basically that means that any woman in her own house, with her own people, her own family is not going to be able to go even without having her her head uncovered and it 's you know typical for a woman that you know in front of her own family in her own courtyard she doesn 't need to cover her hair. Um, they say, Now we're not talking about when she is going in her own courtyard, but we're talking about she's going from courtyard to courtyard through an alley. So it's not quite that she's in the marketplace, but even that even in a place that's somewhat still secluded, but it's not her own yard where she's going that, the um the Jewish practices that she should, you know, mean more than the halacha is that she should have her hair covered more completely. Um, but she doesn't, you know. She but the halacha would be that she would only have to wear this hair basket. This is reshus a which is a yachid type thing. As far as like overdrawing this line, it, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's 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 sort of in the middle because it's going within chatzers, within a mavoi. So it's sort of like a, it's sort of like you're leaving your yard and you're going through your neighbor's yard to another yard. So you're kind of still in a secluded place. Um, it's not necessarily reshus a but it's not your—it's not just your own private backyard. So you're going to like the area that you share with four other families. So once you go to that level, then you would need to—that um, then it becomes Das Yehuda says she should cover her hair in a better way. Uh, Vitova b'shuk and she spins in the market. So there's a couple of views of what this might mean. Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Adam. that means that she goes out of her way to expose her arms. To men, as she spins, um, as she spins whatever yarn or thread, so she does it. She does it really goes out of her way to do it. He says, no, it's even, it's even more than this. Meaning that when she spins, she she kind of um, has the the thread spreading out like between her legs to kind of like emphasize that to try to get men to look at her in a provocative manner. So she goes out of her way to do that. Um so that's what that's what that means with Toba Bashuk. So it's either she just exposes her arms or she does something even a little bit more provocative. adam um, and she speaks to all um, all every man. What does this mean? Means that she's you know she's a flirt. She talks to all the young guys as they go by. She's always, you know, always chatting to all the all the men as they walk around. Zimnechada. Khada, one time. Basri Dravokva. I was walking behind Ravokva. Chazisei Arved Havi We saw this Arab woman. She was sitting. kashadia Pilka And she was casting her spindle and she was spinning. Verad rod Paneha. And she was doing this thing where she would, you know, have the thread stretched out in a provocative way between her legs. Kevan De Chazisa San. Once she saw us. She deliberately broke off the spindle and threw it down to try to get into a conversation with us. Amrali, she said to me, "Ulam hey, hey, young fella, go get me my spindle." Right? She's trying to entice him somehow. Amabe Rav Milsa. Therefore, Rav Ukva said, "Here is an example of what we would talk about of this inappropriate behavior. So, even though this is an Arab woman, she's not a Jewish woman." Um, this is what we're talking about when we're saying about being inappropriate in this manner. Um, so my amrabey, what so what, what was he referring to? Is he referring to which part of the Mishnah? About the um, the way she's spinning the thread or the way she's she's being uh, you know chatting, chatting with people. Um mm-hmm. Ravina Amar, Tava Bashuk Amar, Amarbah that we're talking about that that it's the way that she's weaving, that she's weaving in such a way in a provocative manner. Rabbanan Amri and the Rabbanan say, um, no, Adam What we're talking about is that she's she's the one who you know goes out of her way to chat with every with people. Um, so so you know, either way, she's either she's either doing it one way or the other, but these are you know, it's potentially either an example of the way she was spinning, or it's an example of the way she was being you know flirtatious. Abash Abashmo Omer Afa Befanav. someone who curses his parents in front of him, meaning that she curses her in-laws. Yehuda, b'fnei This also would include someone who curses her husband's parents in front of his children. So it's not only that she curses her in-laws in front of her husband, but potentially she curses her in-laws in front of her husband's children. we learned this from Ephraim Manashh, Karva Yuli. that just we learned this from that we learned about Ephraim Manashha that they were treated, like they were Yaakov's sons. And even though they were not the sons, they were the grandsons, um, they were treated like they're, they're the sons. So um, Amarabba, the Amaraleh, that, um, that she said, it's like, for example, she says to the grandson, um, that a lion should come and eat your grandfather in front of him. So she curses the grandfather in front of the grandson. So it's not only that she curses the father-in-law in front of the husband, she, even if she curses the father-in-law in front of the, Husband's children. Rabbi Tarfon Omer Afa Kalanis, this woman who makes a lot of noise, so what does this mean? My Kalanis, what are we talking about here? Amr Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, the Mashmas Kolal Iske Tashmish. That she raises her voice um, about matters of Tashmish, about, about intimate matters, that she either is fighting with her husband loudly about it or she's talking about it loudly so that other, other people can hear her. So in other words, she's not modest about about the whole concept. We learned in a different um, That refers to a woman that when she has relations, um, she makes a lot of noise, and Rashi says, I think that she, that's because she's in pain, she has, you know, intercourse is painful for her, that it's, she's so noisy as a result of the pain she has, that everyone can hear her making this noise. Um, so if she's, if it's an issue that you know um, intimacy is so painful for her, maybe this should be taught in a mishnah that we're going to learn later on about um, women that have some sort of physical blemish, and therefore um, you you would you know you could divorce them for that reason. Um, maybe the better answer is the earlier answer. So the first answer was that she is you know, talks very loudly about inappropriate matters. Second thing was that maybe she has this physical issue with intimacy. But the conclusion is, is that if it, it was really a matter of the physical issue, that it would be better stated with what we're going to talk about soon about um, divorcing someone that has blemishes because it's really a physical ailment. Um, but since we talked about it separately, maybe it's really the first case, which was talking about that it's just that she is too loud about things that should be pro- that should be private. Okay next Mishnah. so a man um is 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 um engaged as a woman on the condition that she does not have any sort of vows that put any kind of restrictions on her. the nimsu and we later find out that yes, she was under vows Ainashi that her kidushin did not work at all, and therefore they're not they're not together. however. If what he did is first he made this um, he made this condition about Averson, and then when it came time to actually marry her, he didn't reiterate those stipulations. He didn't say again he's marrying her on condition she have the And at that point, you find out that she has nedarim. takes shilah b'iksuva. Then she the marriage was valid because he married her without stipulating the additional things, but she can be divorced without having been paid her kirksuba because he made the conditions at the time that he was engaged to her. Um, similar case, if he says, that he's getting engaged to her on the condition that she doesn't have any sort of physical blemishes, uh, and they find her to have blemishes, and the, the, the Kedushan is null and void. Um, Kansastam, however, similar case, he then went ahead and married her without again reiterating those stipulations. And then he finds out that she has these momim. She can be divorced uh, without being paid her k'suba. So the difference between the cases is is that if it's he makes a stipulation when um, when as part of engaging with her, then it becomes null and void um, if it's found out as a result of that. So there's no, no need for a get as a result of that. However, if he marries her without the conditions, um, he still has to divorce her by process of a get, but he doesn't have to make, pay her ksuba because she has these moments, and he made this earlier stipulation. So, so in the ratio, he just can walk away? The Rasha, he could walk away. So in other words, if he... So they could be living together for X amount of time, finds out that she has either mumim or nadarim or whatever, and say, like, sorry, I'm out of here. He, not, if he doesn't marry her... He, well, he, but he does marry her, right? Is that what, he, is that what the, the Rasha says? The, the Rasha says if he, gave, if he... If he if he, married he, her under under false he, pretense. He married her under false pretense. He could divorce her, but, and he, but he has to divorce her. He can't just walk away. Oh, so he still the divorce so Just divorce her, he just does, does not have to pay the like, tsuba. So then what's the difference between the, the, the Rasha and the stable when, when, when he says... It's just two different cases. One's no, talking, no, about, talking about, but in both both cases that have the same pattern, same pattern, right? right? He marries her under false pretenses. He engages and he gets engaged to her under false pre- pretenses, right? He makes he makes. Uh, an, uh, he, engaged, but they don't go through. They don't go through. Arisin, he does and as part of Areson, so, He mm-hmm. says, "I'm okay. okay. Then you find out she made whatever. Then it's okay. null and void. Okay. So, if he so, marries, okay. if he then marries her, he doesn't say, "I'm marrying you, almanas." Then it. he could. Divorce her without paying the subah, no, but yes. it still has a divorce. Her. No. Okay. Um, okay. Kola mumim and there's a set of mumim that we talk about in the base of Middash that would pass Kohain That also are these mumim that would disqualify a woman. So it's not just that, just that he doesn't like her nose or that she has you know too many toes or whatever it is. But there's specific mumim that that would be disqualifying. Okay. Now going on to the Gemara. But tsunan Nami Kedushin kai This basically the same Mishnah is also in Kedushin. So why are we stating it, it here, right? Um, so you know, what's the why are we saying this at both places? Our answer is Here in Ksubos, we're talking about the part that has to do with the Ksuba, about whether he has to pay the Ksuba or not. Tanak Kedushin Tanak Kedushin Atu Tanak Kedushin Asik Tubos, Hasan Kedushin out to Kedushin. So in Kedushin, you know, so this, this Mishnah really talks about two different aspects, about whether he is, um, has to continue to marry her or, you know, they can basically annul the Aresin, or, and or whether he has to pay the Ksuba. So because there are two different topics, when it, you know, you, need, you, you say the same Mishnah in both places, and the matters that are related to Kedushin are applied to Kedushin, the matters that are related to Ksuba apply to Ksuba. Um, when we're talking about nadarim, we're talking about specific types of nadarim. It's not just, you know, she has a nadir, nadir that doesn't really impact her. That's she takes a nadar and she's not going to eat meat. She's not going to drink wine. And she's not going to wear um, um, nice clothing or, or colorful clothing. So she's doing these things that are part of what, you know, self-denial and the self-denial is going to have a negative impact on the husband. Because generally, if the woman makes a neder and the neder has no impact on the husband, it really shouldn't impact him. Just because she makes a neder it shouldn't impact him. But here we're talking about, we're saying that she's making these nadaram that would be detrimental in one form or another. Um, Tani Namihahi, we have a break that teaches similarly. Ba'el nadaram amru. We're talking about these types of nadaram. Dvarim, sheshbahim These are ones. That are some sort of self-denial. She doesn't eat meat. She doesn't drink wine. She doesn't wear colorful clothing. Rav Papa asked this. Ahai, which part of the Mishnah is this talking about? Are we talking about this as the first part? Are we talking about where he made the stipulation as part of getting engaged to her that she didn't have um, any Nadarim? Right? Are we talking about that part of it? Um, or are we talking about the Seifa? We're talking about that he married her without any stipulation and then he's able to divorce her without um, paying pain condition. Kaven the Kakapid. After all, since he was particular in stating out loud that she was um, not subject, subject to, vow, to any vows, I feel called That even if she turned out to have vowed about anything, it should also be invalid since she didn't meet the terms. So when he made his. Statement that Almanashe she doesn't have vows. It was a very broad statement that wasn't limited. Um, so, so are we saying that this part of it applies to the Risha where he made the stipulation, or it applies to the Seifa, where he married her without making the stipulation, um, and therefore maybe it is only more limited. a Seifa, maybe this should really apply to the to the to the Seifa. And the Seifa, he didn't make any stipulation, so therefore he didn't make any stipulation. The way he's able to get out of it, Exubac, can be more limited. Where we say, "Okay, you only when you stipulated it was by Arison you didn't make any stipulation by, by Nisu and by actually marrying her." So therefore, um, we're still going to let you get out of it, but it's only going to apply to the more limited set of um Rav Ashi all No, it must be. We're really talking about the first part of the Mishnah, and we're talking about that even though he explicitly stipulated that if she should not have any vows it really would only apply to the ones that are these particular times umide de cape anche cuz only regarding only regarding something that people are particular about how they cape de cape um is you know it's it's, it's interesting the way Art Scroll defines this, is his particularity considered particularity right like is it how particular is he really being is he you know, when he really says that is he really being particular Me de de la copti about something that people aren't particular about. Lojave capeda capeda. His particularity is not considered particularity, right? It's not the fact that that he says no vows, he really means to be more specific. He really means the ones that people care about. You know, if she's going to vow that she's not going to do a certain thing that doesn't have any impact on anyone in any way, she's not going to, you know, whatever has no impact, that's not really really what it means. So he has to embellish kind of describe what his vows are. Potentially, potentially, right. right. That's how nitpicky is he. How nitpicky like, yeah. But if he says, if Menashe has no vows, it really means this subset. Right. Even though, so the first he view is... No vows whatsoever, then he's being brought about it. Right, so the, so the first view is that it must be the second part of it because he didn't make any stipulation, therefore we still allow it. Yeah. Second view is that, no, it's the ratio because it's... Even if someone says no vows, they really don't mean no vows. It means the ones that they'll care about. Um, Itmar, we learned in a. Um, a this is going to question our Mishnah. uksan If he, um, if he got engaged to her with with making a the the um, tonight, no nedarim, but then he married her without anything. Rav Almar tzricha hemeniget Ushmua Almar hemeniget. This is different than what we said in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said that she still would need a get if he married her without conditions. Here we have. Um, Rav saying that she still requires the get. Right, this, this is basically my question, right? Does he, does he, just walk away or doesn't he? Right, correct. So the, our Mishnah said, in from the marriage without stipulations, he has to give her a get, but no, doesn't have to pay the ksuba, Which Rav says differently. Rav says she has to give a get. Amravai Abayi said, Lo tema lo de Rav. Rav's ruling is as follows: Keva shekansas stam since when he married her without reiterating the stipulation, he must have waived the stipulation, um, and therefore, um, since that was his ruling, um, the, the marriage would be, the, the marriage should be valid, and therefore he should also not only have to, have to do the marriage, but he should also have to pay her k'suva, because he's saying that what must be happening here is that he's waiving the initial stipulation the um, but what, that's not really what Rav's reason is. Rav's reason is that a person, when he has relations, won't want it to be a um, promiscuous relationship if he can handle it; that he would rather it be a legal marital act. Um, so therefore, um, so therefore, we assume that we can't assume. We wouldn't want to assume that he was just going ahead with you know having relations with her for no reason. Therefore. Um, he, you know, he was doing it with the full intent that his condition should go forward in to- full, full null and void, full in full without any, and his stipulation would be null and void, and he wouldn't put, be putting any any conditions or parameters on it. Um, so therefore, um, therefore, in according to him, that's why he would say the condition would take effect, and the get would be required to dissolve it, and according to Rav, he would still have to um, he would still have to pay her um, pay her ksuba, I think. Um, however, if you look at, like, note four, it says, insofar as the Kiddushan obligation is concerned, her Kasuba is forfeit, since the man had no reason to waive his insistence that she not be under a vow or have physical defect. Hence, if she turns out to be under a vow or to have a physical defect, he is not obligated to pay her Kisuba if he decides for this reason to divorce her. So, so you know, we'll stop here with this. We'll continue again, M'day next week with Ayan Gimel. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.